Well, good morning, everyone. Let's open with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Your word is authoritative. Your word is inspired. It's inerrant. Your word is reliable. Your word brings us strength, brings us comfort and joy. Oh, how I love your word. Meditated on it all day long. Thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart will be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. The title of this sermon is called Leave a Legacy. Leave a Legacy. And the big idea, the homiletical idea, the idea, homiletics refers to preaching, but the idea that I want you to remember as you leave today is this. And I actually added something to it as well. We honor God's name when we call him Father. When we abide in his presence and we live like his son. Think about that for a second. We honor God's name by calling him Father, by living in his presence, abiding in his presence, and living like his son. That's what I want you to remember today. Now, I was really surprised. Shelly, she said, hey, turn around. I knew Uber was going to be here today, but I didn't know Blumley was. Well, because I'm actually using Uber and Blumley's name in this sermon. So. <laughs> I preempted a little bit. So um, I found that a life's journey is filled with fascination and wonder. It is packed with unexpected moments of overflowing joy and also with sudden uncertainty. <laughs> I have found that the best way to fi- face life's change- changes is to continually live in the presence of a personal and merciful Heavenly Father who has promised to always be with us. Remember this promise. Never forget it. We are not alone. He promises to always be with us. I remember when Shelley and I first had children. Uber was five and Blomley was six at the time. And I remember Shelley told me that she was going to be going out for the afternoon. I wasn't really used to having little kids around, even though I was a teacher. But um, I, I recall se- saying this to Shelly. I said, it might be a good idea to have a babysitter when you're out for a little bit. And it's like, I still remember the day when Uber and Blomley um, came to live with us yesterday. And as I shared earlier in Psalm 127.3, I have their names and the date they actually came to live with us can honestly say that having five chosen children has been a tremendous blessing and a great honor. And yeah, it was painful, you know, going through miscarriages, but God's grace is so good, so good. And when I read about the lives of Abraham, Noah, Joseph, and I think of my own life, I can see a God who doesn't watch from a distance. But I see an almighty God who is nearby and takes a personal interest in our lives. As I look back on my life, I see God's fingerprints clearly in my spiritual journey with him. The deep and glorious message that our loving Heavenly Father is not a detached deity, but a powerful and yet personal God. 
who not only made us, but he wants to guide us, provide for us, transform our lives into the image of Christ, that we may enjoy him forever. And it, it is somewhat puzzling, but true. When we pursue hard after Christ and discover him, we want even more. When we drink and are satisfied with his divine presence, we become even thirstier for more of the great and unsearchable riches that are found in him. On Mother's Day, we took a, life of, a look at the life of Mary. On Father's Day, I'd like to explore some spiritual truths found in the life of Jesus' legal father, Joseph. And in doing so, see if there are aspects of Joseph's life that will make us better fathers, husbands, and servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. My first point is in, it begins in Matthew. It's Joseph was a righteous man. So it, it says that in uh, verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. I want to dwell on that for a second. We want to leave a legacy. I remember Robert McShane said this. My people's greatest need right now is for my personal holiness. Let's think about that for a second. My people's greatest need for me right now my people's need right now is for my personal holiness. God wants us to live upright, godly lives, not only in this world, but especially in our homes, right? At our work, wherever we are to read, live upright and godly life. Fatherhood is a great responsibility and a wonderful blessing. And in Joseph's case, think about this. God must have thought very highly of Joseph. He was chosen specifically to raise the Son of God. Think about that. Think about that. God honors integrity. Social position or financial status are of little importance to God when he chooses to whom he uses. Are we willing to seek him? To live a sanctified life? Obedient to his direction? Are we willing to make Jesus more than just present and prominent in our lives he must be preeminent in everything as it says in Colossians chapter 1 verse I think it's 17 or 18 it says in all things he must have supremacy think about that Jesus if your father must be more than just present and prominent he must be preeminent in all in every aspect of our lives it's interesting in Thayer's Greek lexicon, it talks about the word righteous. I want you to think about this for a second. Righteous means observing divine laws in a wide sense. It means upright, virtuous, innocent, faultless, guiltless. That's a pretty good word to use for Joseph. That's the word that's used there. In fact, the same word is used in Matthew twenty-seven nineteen when it says this. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife, Potiphar, or, uh, Pontius Pilate's wife, his wife sent him a message saying, having nothing to do with this righteous man. Who is he talking about? Jesus. That's the same word that's used. So think about this. When it says, Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, that's a pretty big statement. That's a pretty big statement. So what can we learn about Joseph's life? 
Well, I think he was prepared to do what was right and obey God. Despite the pain, he knew that he would endure. Think about what he had to endure. I mean, if it says that he's a righteous man, right? Okay, and he's a just man. Think about this. He was a man of strong beliefs. His strength, the strength of what we believe is measured by how much we're willing to suffer. Think about this and what he was willing to suffer. When Mary told him that she was pregnant, he knew that the child was not his, right? And also, uh, and so he was going to put her away quietly, it says. His, he had respect. He had respect. There was a caring attitude for Mary. Because if you look in Deuteronomy, uh, I believe it's chapter 22, it says, I mean, they had the right to stone her, right? But he had respect. He cared for her. And it says, um, he must have, it must have been hard to think that Mary had done something wrong. Because that's what he was probably thinking. I was like, he didn't think like, you know, that the Holy Spirit had come upon him and that was his, the father. And he wasn't. Joseph decided that he had to break off the engagement. Now, you have to remember, marriage was a little bit different how they had it back then. There was like, stage one was the announcement. Stage two was like the engagement, but it was like we might have it here, but it was like legally binding. You had to have a divorce to break that off, right? But you didn't have like sexual relations with the person during that time. It was a time of preparation. But, and then there was the marriage, right? So we were in that second stage right there. So he intended... Uh, <clears throat> So he, did, he would do it in a way that would not shame Mary. He intended to act with justice and love. God sent a messenger to confirm Mary's story and opened a way of obedience for Mary to become his wife. Joseph obeyed God. He married Mary and honored her virginity until the baby was born. We don't know how long Joseph was Jesus' earthly father. We do know that he's mentioned when Jesus was 12 years old and was in the temple. But we know that J Joseph trained him as a carpenter. We, we made sure that he had good spiritual training in Nazareth. He took trips to Jerusalem during Passover, which Jesus continued to observe in his adult years. Joseph knew that Jesus was someone special from the moment he heard the angel's words, his willingness to follow God's leading empowered him to be Jesus' chosen earthly father. And I would say this as well. When we are blessed with children, it's a special honor. What did I just read? And what are the names that I've written? And the date that I wrote in Psalm 127. Children are from the Lord. And we should think of them as in that way as well that they are a gift from God, and that we should live in upright, holy lives, not only in the presence of people, but in front of our children. It's interesting to know that how observant kids are. You know, they notice things. We might think they're not perceptive, but they are. And so it's really important that we live that way, that we live upright and holy lives. Now, because Mary was, it says, a, was a, a virgin and was pregnant, Matthew lists Joseph. Notice it says here, Joseph as a husband and not as a father. But we see in Luke, it says he, Jesus, was a son 
This is in Luke 3.23. So it was thought of Jesus. But both Joseph and Mary, we know, were descendants of King David as well. So a couple things I want you to think about first when we think about, you know, Joseph's character. He was a righteous man. I think about what we said about Robert McShane. My greatest, my, my people's greatest need right now is for my personal holiness. God wants us to live sanctified lives. God wants us to continue, continually pursue him and to grow in grace and to grow in the, that the fruits of the spirit would be exhibited in our lives. So that's one thing that's really important. Also, in verse 19, I wanted to finish with that. It says, although Joseph seemed to be doing the right thing by breaking off the engagement, only God's guidance helped make the best decision. Seek God's wisdom. Now, notice, I think this was important. In verse 20, it says, but after he had considered this. I think that's important because it shows that he's reflective. He's not making a rash decision. He considered this. Right? He pondered this. And I think that's, that's wisdom from above, that God doesn't want us to be impulsive. He wants us to take things into consideration. I also remember like when we did the study in Daniel, when, remember when Nebuchadnezzar came to him and he was going to whack off everybody's head and everything, kill all the, you know, the, the leaders, because if they didn't interpret the dream. But, but what did Daniel do? Remember, he said he went, he took some time and he went and he prayed with his friends too. And then the Lord revealed the dream to him. I think it's important as fathers, not only that we live upright and godly lives, I think it's not only important for us to be compassionate and considerate and thinking of others, but I also think it's important that we take time to reflect and consider and not be impulsive. That's one thing that I see. It says, but after he had considered this, He thought about it. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Now, it made me think about this as well. What was he to be afraid of? Now, think about this for a second. Think about the people in the community, right? I mean, do you think they didn't know what was going on? I mean, they could think... There's a, there could be a lot of misunderstanding. There could be a stigma. There could be a lot of gossip going on. But Joseph did what was right. The angel told him what to do, and he did it. So here's like a big, big idea that I don't want you to forget. Because the reason why I went into the second chapter a little bit is because every time that there was a dream, every time the angel told him what to do, what did he do? How did he respond? He did it. He did it. So that's the second main point down there. Joseph was obedient to God's message. You know, David said this. I don't know. I don't remember the whole message. I don't even remember what the sermon was about. But Kirsty and I were talking this about a Wednesday meeting. And when David said this, you know, don't wait for God to give you a second invitation. It's like, did Joseph wait for a second invitation? Did he wait? He did it. If you knew, if a person knows what is right to do and does not do it, what does it say? To him, it is a sin. To him who knows what is right to do and does not do it, to him it is a sin. That's what James says. What did Joseph do? He did it. 
So let me just recap a little bit really a little bit right now is that Joseph was a righteous man, right? Joseph was compassionate and caring. Joseph was reflective and not impulsive from what I read. And Joseph was obedient to what God called him to do. And was it dangerous? There was some danger in some of that. Was there some chances for people to say disparaging remarks towards him? Sure. But he did what God wanted him to do. Now, I thought about this for an inst- as an instance. Think about what we'll go over to um, the sec- uh, chapter 1, verses 23. It says this. The virgin will be with a child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, I just thought about this for a second because it's from Isaiah 7.14. Now think about, I don't know if Isaiah like clearly understood the prophecy that he was given in its full context. Because, listen to this. In John 1.14, it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And not only that, it says this. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, Don't you know that you are God's temple and God's Spirit is within you? God is with us. And God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph when he took Mary to Bethlehem. He knew exactly how he wanted that to be, where to be born took care of all the details when he went to Egypt for the time that he stood there, when he came back to Israel, and when he went up to Nazareth. He was in close relationship, I believe, with God. He was listening to what he was supposed to do, and he did it. Joseph had changed his plans quickly after learning that Mary had, had not been unfaithful. He violated all customs by immediately taking Mary into his home. Because remember, that was during the engagement period, which usually lasted at about a year. He was probably thinking of what would be best for Mary in her condition. He brought her home, began to care and provide for her. He obeyed God and continued with his marriage plan. Some people may have disagreed with him, but Joseph wanted to do what was right. Joseph chose to obey God than to receive the approval of others. In the words of A.W. Tozer, he would rather die right than live wrong. He would rather die right than live wrong. Now, I want to come to a conclusion and I want to encourage you to possibly read a book if you're interested. What do I see? I see Joseph was a man of integrity. He was a descendant of King David. He was a legal and earthly father of of Jesus. He was a person who was sensitive to God's guidance. And he was willing to do God's will no matter what the consequences. As fathers, as husbands, those are some good attributes for us to look at. I read a book. It's called That Incredible Christian. Great book. There's one chapter in it. It's called The Seven Marks of a Spiritual Man. It's been written by A.W. Tozer. When I think about these, I think about Joseph, and I think about my own life and what I want to do. 
I want to have these attributes in my life. Number one, as application. And if you're interested in the book, I have a copy. I also have it in Spanish, too. Number one, there's a desire to be holy rather than happy. Happiness, yeah, that's nice. But the desire is to be holy. There's a pursuit to be consecrated to God. There's a desire to live a sanctified life. There's a desire to do, you know, to live for God, to go deeper with God, to pursue God. That should be something that all husbands and fathers and frankly all people should want to do. That's part of the, you know, Christian Missionary Alliance, you know, motto, you know, to go deeper with God, to live a sanctified life. That should be number one. Well, that's one of them. Number two, there's a yearning to see the honor of God advanced in his life, even if he himself must suffer temporary dishonor or loss. The goal, the honor, there's a yearning to see God advanced, even if I have to go through suffering. God is first. I always think of that acronym JOY, right? First time I heard that was from Shelley when I was in high school. The J stands for Jesus is first. The O stands for others is second. And guess who's last? You. You. I'm not saying you shouldn't take care of yourself. Jesus is first. Others second. You're last. Third. A spiritual person wants to take up his cross and follow Christ. A spiritual person wants to take up his cross and follow Christ, whatever the cost. Four, a spiritual person sees everything from God's point of view. Ask God for eternity to be stamped upon your eyes. Ask God to give you spiritual insight. Ask God that you might be more discerning of his will. Don't just go in long in life and just live at whatever comes. I mean, have there be purpose in your life. Live for God. I like there's a verse I just thought of in um, Colossians 4, where it says, tell Archippus to complete the work that you've received in the Lord. People might say, like, who's Archippus? I don't know exactly who he is, but I know Paul did. And he says, tell Archippus, after he said this whole, like, long, some people think it might have been the son of, you know, Philemon or somebody in the church of Colossae. We don't know. But it says, tell Archippus, complete the work you've received in the Lord. Okay? I think we, if we want to do that, we need to pray that we would be seeing things from God's point of view. Number five. The one that resonates with me the most, and I've said this, and I probably like in every other sermon, but this is a Tozer thing. It said, I'd rather die right than live wrong. I would rather die right than live wrong. I'm not, that's a decision I want to make. I have to make a, a, like a reckoning in my soul that I say, I want to do what's right. I want to honor God. Number six, there's seven of these. A spiritual person desires to see other advance at his own expense. That's a sign of humility. 
You're saying, I, I desire for others. If, if God wants to put others before me, praise God. Praise God. If that's his will and his purpose, praise God. And number seven, a spiritual man habitually makes, it means a habit. He habitually makes eternity, eternity judgments instead of time judgments. Everything is in the light of eternity. A spiritual man will habitually make eternity judgments. I like those. I mean, I don't remember all of those 40 chapters or whatever, but I remember that chapter because that chapter is totally like reverberated in my, whole, my heart. So I'd like to close with this. We honor God by calling him our father. We honor God by living in his presence. And we honor God by living like his son. I pray that you would think about these things of Joseph. That Joseph was a man of integrity. Joseph cared about Mary. He cared more about Mary than what others thought about him. He always wanted to please God and he was obedient to what God told him to do. Those are the big takeaways that I see in the life of Joseph. And if we can apply those to our lives, we'll be moving forward towards knowing God even more. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. And thank you for the life of Joseph. Lord, we pray that we would all want to go deeper with you, that we would want to live upright and holy lives and be blameless in this world, that we might live for Christ. And though we are not sinless, that we would sin less and less as we grow in Christ. Lord, help us to be other-centered minded. Help, me to, help us to think of others more than ourselves. And Lord, I pray, God, and this is, I pray, God, that you would help us to be obedient to your will. Seek your approval and not the approval of men, for you are most important. And we know that you will always be with us. And we take that as a promise. In Jesus' name, amen.